Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, or wherever you are joining from. Welcome to Fresh Angle. I am your host, Danielle. Fresh Angle invites you to hear about new, exciting ways to see God, yourself, and others. How do thriving relationships sound? Guilt and shame gone. Hope, peace, meaning, purpose, and a joy that can withstand whatever life throws at you can be your normal. We often fail to realize these things all have a common source, a clear understanding of who God is, of how he feels about us, and how knowing the truth changes everything. Stay tuned as Pastor Dan brings us a fresh angle on God, life, love, and the things that matter the most. Hey, welcome back to Fresh Angle. We are continuing in Hannah's story. It is an amazing story in so many ways. And tonight we're going to look at God's role in Hannah's story up to this point. Now I read to you last week from the message. I'm going to read to you right now her prayer in the sanctuary to God from the message. And then I'm going to read it to you from the New American Standard. For those of you who don't know or understand how translations work, no translation's perfect. The message is not a translation, it's a paraphrase, which means it tries to encompass all the meaning and bring it alive without sacrificing any of the truth of it, but it's not word for word in any sense. The New American Standard tries hard to be accurate, so I'm going to read the message and then I'm going to read the American Standard. So here's her prayer in the message. O God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good, hard look at my pain... If you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. Here it is from the New American Standard. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. That reference to a razor shall never come on his head, if you remember back to Samson's story and his nameless mother, that is a reference back to him. So what Hannah is saying in both very different translations, very different ways of expressing it, but all the essence is still there in both. She's saying, if you'll give me a son, I will give him back to you. He will be fully dedicated to you and to your service. But who is God? I want to point out for you something that you probably didn't know. This reference to the Lord of hosts or the Lord of the angel armies literally translated simply means the Lord of warfare. This is the first time God is ever referred to this way in all the Bible. Moses never referred to God that way. Joshua never referred to God that way. The book of Judges never referred to God that way. Ruth and Boaz never referred to God that way. This is the first time. It continues on from here. It's not something that's a one-off in Hannah and Elkanah's story. It continues on throughout the rest of the Old Testament. One of the reasons, if not the reason, why God got this name is because Israel has found itself in endless cycles of warfare as they, quote, conquer the promised land. Now, if you go back and dig carefully into God's promises before they ever entered the promised land, he said that he would drive out the people if they trusted him, but they didn't. They took it upon themselves to clear out the land by typical means of warfare. So now they've come to see their God as a God of warfare. And what Hannah is saying is God, will you come to rescue me? Will you put your army into action for me? Will you come and fight for me? In this opening of 1 Samuel, not only do we have this name mentioned twice, 
never mentioned before, God of the armies, God of warfare, God of hosts. But repeatedly it says, God prevented her from having a son. They see God as a God of warfare, and they see God as someone who is responsible for everything that goes wrong in their life. It's hard to love God when you see him as a God of war and a God who causes the things that cause us pain. And yet, in spite of all that, in spite of the odds of Hannah loving God being stacked against her and against him, she still takes her pain to him. She has seen what God has done in the past. She has seen and heard about the miracles that he has done. She comes to him and says, listen, God of warfare, God of the armies, God with angels who can do anything, come to my rescue. Come and show yourself powerful for me. Make yourself real to me. I'll give you back my son. You can have my son. I just want to know that you're the God who can do anything and a God who sees me and a God who hears me and a God who has not abandoned me. I want to know that the taunts of Penina against me are not true. I want the pity in Elkanah's eyes to go away. I want him to look at me the way he used to look at me. I want the God of your armies to come to my rescue. That's what she's saying. And in the midst of her pain and in the midst of her silent cries, because it says later on that no sound came from her. All of this praying was internal. You don't need to make a sound to talk to God. In the midst of her personal hell, which she brought to the sanctuary, believing that the God of the sanctuary and the God of heaven's armies was the only one who could help her. In the midst of that, the priest comes and accuses her of drunkenness. We touched on that a little bit in a couple episodes ago. Think about the state of society if the first assumption that the priest makes in the sanctuary about a worshiper is that they're drunk. You only need to go back and read the book of Judges to understand how much in shambles Israel is. Spiritually speaking, culturally speaking, relationship speaking, they are a mess. And in the midst of all of this mess, Hannah still believes that there is a God out there, somewhere beyond the starry sky, who knows her by name, who sees the pain that she's in, who struggles to understand why, God, are you letting this happen to me? Why have you closed my womb? Why have you made me a failure as a wife? Why have you made me the object of Penina's taunts and my husband's pity? Why is the priest accusing me of drunkenness. Why does it seem like the whole world is against me? Can't you rouse your power and your strength and your army and your angels to do something for me? Just show me yourself. I don't want a child for the sake of bragging or for the sake of having. I'll give my son back to you. Just show me. This is Hannah speaking to Eli's accusations of being drunk. Hannah said, oh no, sir, please. I'm a woman hard used. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart, pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. Eli answered her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me, and pray for me, she said and went her way. Then she ate heartily, and her face was radiant. 
uncertain My weary heart can't take much more surprise I wish there was a point on the horizon Something I could see with my own eyes I need to tell you that I'm scared I feel completely unprepared And nothing's what it was two weeks ago But you already Something happened in that sanctuary that day. Something incredible happened. She is not yet pregnant. There is no child. There is no guarantee there will ever be a child. But something happened. When Hannah looked up into the accusing eyes of Eli and told him the truth about her situation, he saw her pain. He heard her cry. He finally did the work that a priest is supposed to do. He met her in her mess. He felt for her. And then he said, in the midst of a land full of people who have wandered far from God, where society is chaos and spirituality is almost dead, the priest in the temple said to her, go in peace 
may the God of Israel, not the God of warfare, the God of the Israel, the God of the overcomers, may he give you what you have asked of him. And she says, think well of me and pray for me, he said. And she went her way. Then it says, she ate heartily and her face was radiant. Somehow in that encounter between her and God and then her and Eli, she was able to lay the burden down, to hand it over, and to believe that God had seen her and God had heard her and God was going to do something. She didn't know what and she didn't know when, but she knew he has heard me. And it made all the difference. This past week, I had the privilege of going to our pastor's meetings and it was amazing. And the keynote speaker who had spent a, wee a year and a half in a wheelchair with no feeling from his waist down said, when Jesus is with you and you have his peace, the storm doesn't matter anymore. We could be tempted to think that the miracle that Hannah got was Samuel, but the miracle has already happened. Whoever you are and wherever you are and whatever you're carrying, Take it to God and ask for his peace. Because when we have his peace, the storm doesn't matter anymore. We'll see you next week. We're glad you stayed and invite you to join us next week for another Fresh Angle. While you are waiting, be sure to stop by our website at www.freshangle.ca. Don't be satisfied with less than the truth about God and how he sees you. If your experience with religion so far has been more fear than faith, shame than humble confidence, guilt than joy, or confusion instead of clarity, you have come to the right place and we look forward to having you back next week. Pastor Dan is now on YouTube. Visit youtube.com at Dan Wilson Pastor. Like, subscribe, and hit the notification button for all the latest updates today.